This is Speaking Well. I'm your host, Greg Dickinson. This is the podcast about communication and everyday life. In each episode, we will talk with a communication expert and scholar and explore how communication research can provide resources for navigating complex interactions. We'll talk about relationships in politics, social media and film, public speaking, and private talk. In this podcast, we will offer straightforward but often challenging explorations about communication centrality to our lives. Today, I am talking with Katie Noblock. Dr. Noblock is an Associate Professor of Communication Studies at Colorado State University and the Associate Director of the Center for Public Deliberation. Her research and teaching focus on political communication and civic engagement, specifically exploring how deliberative public processes can create a more informed and engaged citizenry. For this work, she has received a grant for the National Science Foundation study the Citizens Initiative Review in the state of Oregon and examine how process design affects the quality and outcome of deliberative engagement. She's the co-author of the 2020 book, Hope for Democracy, How Citizens Can Bring Reason Back into Democracy. Dr. Noblock, welcome to um, Speaking Well. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me. So can you just tell us a little bit about what you do at Colorado State University? Absolutely. I'm an associate professor in the Department of Communication Studies, which you know, and I'm also the associate director of the Center for Public Deliberation. And my teaching and research and my community work there really focus on reinvigorating democracy by creating opportunities for the public to kind of learn together and engage in decision making. It really focuses on how we can encourage people to express their views in meaningful ways, to learn from one another, and ultimately make decisions that are more sustainable for our communities. I also spend a lot of my time training undergraduates and graduate students in public deliberation. So we run a student associate program, and we're actually accepting applications right now if there are any students listening to it. And during their first semester with us, we train them in facilitation. So we teach them how to have conversations across difference. And then they come back to us for subsequent semesters, and we help them learn how to do in community engagement. So how do you get people in the room? How do you design processes that bring out the best in us? How do you make them inclusive? And then we also train them in research methods. So how do we study the impact that our work has on the wider community? Great. That that really is a remarkable program, and um, so many people get so much out of it. You talked about being the... Um, Associate Director of the Center for Public Deliberation. You've written a lot about um, uh, public deliberation, civic engagement. In just a few words, what is public deliberation? What do you all mean by that when you say that? Deliberative discussion generally has three components. So it's informed, it's inclusive, and it's focused on decision-making. And then deliberative democracy is our attempt to implement that type of communication and that type of decision-making into the ways that we make decisions as a community. Great. So you move from that notion of public deliberation to deliberative democracy. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about what you know from the scholarship, from the data about the usefulness of deliberative democracy in today's world? Yeah, so there's a whole bunch of different ways that we could think about it. At the center, we really focus on creating community meetings that give a wide variety of community members an opportunity to come together and learn from one another about public issues and the way that those impact themselves and other members of their community, ultimately, so that we can make better decisions. But deliberative democracy can take place at all sorts of levels. So ideally, we have deliberative um, media so that our media is giving us the information need to make good decisions. Ideally, we have deliberative elections, so our elected officials are helping us think through the big issues facing our community and helping us make decisions that kind of move us forward in the direction that 
we want to go. The study of deliberation takes a number of different turns, and one of the most prominent ways that it's studied is the impact that it has on participants. So we know that participating in deliberative discussion makes people more informed. So they learn about the issue, so they gain factual information about whatever it is that they're discussing. They also learn how the issue impacts other members of their community. So say we're talking about housing, part of the purpose of public deliberation is that you'll understand kind of the challenges that you face in attaining affordable housing, but you'll also start to understand the issues that other people are facing, right? So can they pay their rent? What's standing in the way of that? What are kind of the problems with maintenance with their house? So we learn about how these issues impact us and how they impact others. It also makes people more politically efficacious. And by that, we mean they feel more confident in self-governance. So they feel more capable in their ability to self-govern, like they feel like they know what they need to know to do the work. And they also start to feel like they have agency in, in influencing government decisions so that there is a way to influence the way our democracy works, the decisions that get made. And they also start to build faith in other members of their community. So we feel more connected to our neighbors, to people who are different than us, by simply having a conversation and learning about their lives and starting to see ourselves as members of a collective community instead of people in competition with one another. And so those are kind of all sorts of attitudinal changes that can take place. But we also see changes to the ways that people who participate in deliberation engage in their communities. So deliberative participation makes people more likely to vote. It makes people more likely to join organizations, to have simple conversations about politics with their neighbors or their families. So those are all the sorts of ways that it can change individuals. But hopefully the big goal is that it changes the way that we do democracy together, right? So hopefully we create more sustainable decisions because We've listened to a wide variety of voices, and we've incorporated their concerns into the decision. So ultimately, the decision should be more responsive to public needs and concerns. Hopefully, it creates a more inclusive democracy where we're listening to a wider variety of people. We're providing power to a wider variety of people. The ideal is that it, it transforms our communities, it connects our communities, it makes them more informed so that we can do the difficult work of democracy better together. That's really, really compelling. I'm, I'm thinking about the conversation I had a couple of weeks ago with Dr. Anderson, and, and she talked about that politics is kind of depends on us, on the participants. And it sounds like deliberation really helps participants get to know uh, better what their own role is in democracy and give them more more of a sense of agency. Uh, and you gave us some examples as you talked through that, and that was uh, really helpful. Could you give us just one or two quick examples of the ways in which you've seen deliberative democracy function? Absolutely. So let me think. So I think one of the stories that I always like to tell are people who've participated in this process called the Citizens Initiative Review. And it gathers together about 20 people who are demographically representative of the wider community, and they spend you know, four full days learning about a ballot measure, so a law that the public votes on. And then at the end of it, they write a statement for the wider public to use when they're casting their own votes. The people who participate in that process come away truly transformed. Not everybody, but honestly, it's the majority of the folks who do that work. We have these things called ground rules at deliberative forums, and, and they really kind of give people the tools and the language for how to have these conversations better, because we're not necessarily used to having great political conversations. So we do things, we say things like, keep an open mind, stay focused on the issue. At the Center for Public Deliberation, we say things like, be tough on the issue, not on the person. One of the things that they say at the Citizens Initiative Review is stay in learning mode. So I've had people quote back to me, stay in learning mode, years after their deliberative experience. And it just kind of changes the way that they approach public issues so that they see an obligation to learn and to think through before they reach a decision. So that's one of the ways that it impacts 
individuals. And then there are all sorts of examples um, of the ways that they can impact public decision making. So there's this really cool process called participatory budgeting, and it basically gives members of the public control over a small pot of public funds. It started off in Brazil, and it's, it's being adopted all around the world, New York, Chicago, lots of municipalities use it now. And it, and it basically gives the public an opportunity to say, we have this small amount of money to use on public infrastructure. So what do you think we should use it on? Members of the public come up with um, proposals about how to use that money. They spend time you know, informing the wider public about how they would use the money, what the program would look like, what impacts it might have. And then they let the public vote on how we should use the money, right? So it's a way to kind of redistribute power institutionally. So hopefully deliberation does kind of both that individual change and that institutional systems-wide transformation. It really does sound transformative, um, uh, the idea of, uh, say, folks in Fort Collins or in Denver having a, a say over some substantive but perhaps small part of the budget would be a powerful way of putting that into, into action. Are there limits to deliberative democracy, or does is this kind of like something that can really kind of solve our problems? <laughs> um, it partially kind of depends about how you're defining deliberative democracy and how narrow or wide of a scope you think about it. You know, I think when we're really talking about issues of great power inequities, deliberation isn't always kind of the correct, or at least formal deliberation isn't always the tool that you necessarily want to use, right? So if we think about something like the Black Lives Matter protests that have been happening for the past several months, that's an issue where members of the public are demanding a seat at the table, right? They are crying out to be heard. So deliberation isn't necessarily the the place, or at least formal deliberative processes, aren't necessarily the place to do that work, right? Because deliberation gathers us together and allows us to have a conversation, whereas activism says, these are the things we need to have a conversation about. So I think that there are issues, particularly when you are demanding greater equity, when you're demanding kind of a redistribution of power, where activism might be a better tool. But I also see them as complementary, right? So ideally, activism gets those issues on the table, and then we can create processes that really allow us to think through the big questions that they raise. And then maybe after deliberation, a group of folks who engaged in that process become activists for whatever decision that gets brought out, right? And we can think about the ways that these all sorts of different models of engagement can be integrated together to create more equity, to create more inclusion, to create more meaningful opportunities for members of the public to engage in democratic decision making. So I think systems wide, yes, deliberation has a lot of answers. But I think when it comes down to individual moments and individual contexts and issues, we really have to use the tool that's appropriate for that moment. That's a great example to think about how we might engage, say, systemic racism and deliberative practices may be one part of that, but mm-hmm. something like activism and ta- taking to the streets may also be a super important part. You know, we call this podcast Speaking Well because we like to end with some one or two takeaways after we've thought about all the scholarship and, and the practices of the of the CPD and other places. So if you, if you could just give us a, here's one thing or two things that somebody listening to this could do to help us, especially considering the next two or three weeks as, as we record this here in early October and we have an election in early November. What, what, what are one or two kind of takeaways or life hacks? The first thing I like to say is don't be afraid to talk politics. But when you talk politics, try to focus on the issue and the person that is in front of you instead of on politicians. Too often when we talk about politics, we talk about it as something somebody else does, right? It's our elected officials who are going to make these decisions. It's going to be activists who are out the streets, right? In reality, democracy is a a collective act, and it requires us to engage in it. And when we 
talk politics, we should really be open to listening and learning. You know, I think from just a good human perspective, that's the way to engage in the conversation. But if you want to be strategic, it's also the way to change people's minds, right? We know that people change their minds when they share their stories, when we ask them questions, and when we share our own stories and kind of explain why we have the perspectives we had. And deliberation and deliberative discussion, even everyday talk allows us to do that. But it really requires us kind of taking a step back, trying not to get into the you know, my side versus your side, and really having a conversation with the person that's in front of you about the issues that you care about, right? It's both allow you to learn more, it's going to allow your communicative partner to learn more, and it's ultimately kind of one of the only ways you're actually going to get somebody to change their mind if that's your goal is to listen to them, right, and understand why they hold the positions they do. So my first kind of piece of advice is always don't be afraid to talk politics, but really try to focus on the issue and the person, and the rest of it is just noise. You know, politicians are important, but they are not the entire of democracy and we have to recenter ourselves and our other community members if we want it to work. And then the other thing I think, especially right now, it's important to talk about how important it is to vote. You know, voting is a culmination of the work that we do in a democracy. It's not the only thing that we do, but our system cannot work if we don't vote. And I really think that apathy and not voting is a tool of the oppressor and not voting is giving away your power. One of the things that I always find interesting is the way we talk about like, will my one vote count? And I think it's kind of a silly way to think about voting, right? Your one vote isn't really what we're talking about, right? We're talking about the collective act of all of us doing this together, right? And when we all do it together, that's how we signal change. So I like to think of voting as kind of a collective act of love. It's not something you're doing for yourself. It's something you're doing for other members of your community who you care about, whose voices you want to amplify, and whose concerns you want to bring to the table, right? So you know, have political conversations, talk to people in your community, do the work, acknowledge your own role in democracy and take ownership of that role. And ultimately, that means you have to engage in the systems that are in front of you. And that requires us all to vote. Voting as a collective action of love. I love it. (laughs) That's really wonderful. Thank you, Dr. Noblock, for being with us on Speaking Well. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Speaking Well is a production of the Department of Communication Studies and the College of Liberal Arts at Colorado State University. Carol Bush as the producer and the podcast is recorded and engineered at the studios of KCSU at Colorado State University. I'm your host, Greg Dickinson. Until next time, be well.